Uh, we want to want to start off a brand new sermon series today, and uh, this is something that we're going to walk through the next few weeks, maybe even the next month, and, and we're calling it People Are Worth It. Uh, we believe that people are worth it, and uh, I created a little movie poster, something or other there, whatever that means to you. Uh, people, people are worth it. I actually swapped out a bunch of our different staff faces and stuff. I was going to jack up some of our staff faces, but I decided not to. Um, but anyway, uh, we, we, we believe that people are worth it. And, I, and you, th- you say, well worth, well, worth what? Well, well we're going to be looking at <clears throat> the different things that, that people are worth. And today we're going to look at an Old Testament passage found in 2 Kings chapter 4. And it's kind of an odd passage um, to share with you, but I really believe God has something to say to us from this passage. And um, 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, verse 8 through 17. Now it happened uh, one day that Elisha, who was a prophet, who's a man of God, Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. Uh, that term notable in the New King James actually uh, is translated wealthy, a wealthy woman. She persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Look, now I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. And so it will be whenever he comes to us that he can turn in there. Verse 11 says, And it happened one day that he came there, and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, he said, Call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him, and, and, he, and, uh, said, and he said to him, he said, he's not talking to her, she's there, but he's talking to his servant, and say now to her, uh, Look, you have been concerned uh, for us with all of this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. We're going to come back and discuss this. But she answered, no, I dwell among my own people. Verse 14, so he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her again. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, don't lie to your maidservant. But the woman did conceive and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. I also want to look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 verse uh, 25 and 26 is talking about the worth of people. Uh, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So Lord, we thank you for your word, and we just ask for you to help us understand your word. We ask for your presence to come and to reveal Jesus Christ to us in the scripture. Reveal reveal the person and the work of Jesus. Help us to see Jesus today. I pray that you would apply uh, this, this word to our lives. And help us to get so close to you that we value the things that you value. In Jesus' name, amen. This story is uh, an interesting story there in the Old Testament. It's kind of uh, and just, it's just a short little passage that, um, that, that, that was a part of Elisha's life. And Elisha was an Old Testament prophet. And um, he was a man of God, performed several miracles, many miracles. And actually, this, um, the part of the story that I read to you is kind of the, the precursor to one of his greatest miracles, where he raises a child from the dead. But this is sort of the backstory um, to his big story. But as per usual, it's the backstory that always fascinates me. It's always, it's always interesting to me how, how miracles get set up, how things uh, fall into place, and how things fall into alignment. And uh, we've been talking about going from awkward to awesome the past uh, seven weeks, and um, and we're going to continue in that direction. We're going to continue moving that di- in in that direction. But I I think the main thing that 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 will move us from a place of awkwardness to a place of awesomeness is to start valuing what God values, and that is people. To start valuing people. Um, to say that people are worth it. Uh, I was I was um, trying to figure out what kind of slide I would design for this sermon series, and so I, I wanted to know if any other church had ever done a "People Are Worth It" sermon series, you know, and just to see what they did and steal it. And um, and <laughs> I'm just kidding. And so I googled um, "People Are Worth It," you know, just to see what comes up. 
And, like, there was no, like, nothing. Actually, like, there was nothing even remotely close. Uh, like, Google presented things like people are not worth it or the quotes on the people who are not worth it or, you know, abandon, like, like, like not, not messing, don't waste your time on people who are not worth your time. Like, all of this negative, like, really it's, it's selfishness is what it is. Uh, our culture is so um, cynical, and it comes across as cynicism, but it's really selfishness. We don't, we don't want to give something if we don't know we're going to get something back. And so the problem with, with people is that you really don't know. And when, you, when you love people, you're really taking a risk. You're really taking a chance. But here at City Chapel, I mean, from the very time that we started um, as a launch team, we decided that we were going to love people. And so some of the first things that we ever did were just simply love on people. Uh, we, we, uh, we, when, when we first told people that we're going to be starting a church, about 15 folks kind of gathered around us and said, hey, we want to we wanna go with you. We want to help you start this thing. And so we had our first, um, we had our first prayer meeting and uh, we met and we had a bonfire um, out, at, out at our house out in um, San Marcos at the time. And, 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 and we just, we, 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 we looked around and there was about 20 adults and um, we said, hey, how about like we do something? Like we have 20 adults who are ready to help us start a church. Like, let's go do something. And so uh, that was in April. And uh, if any of you know, in Buda, there's something called the wiener dog races. And so wiener dog races are uh, literally where they race wiener dogs. And, um, and it's this whole little festival thing. And, and it's put on by the Lions Club. The Lions Club is, a, is, is, is an organization. They, they do a lot for the, for the visually impaired people in, in our community. And so I called up the Lions Club and I said, hey, we would like to help out with, um, with the wiener dog races. And they said, yeah, yeah, that's great. A lot of churches, you know, the, like for $75, like you get this, this, this table because they have a lot of, they're selling a lot of stuff. And so you get, you get your table and you can like, you can like sell stuff or you can just give out like, like flyers and, 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 and tell people about your church. And I said, well, that, that's not really what I was talking about. Like, I was, we were wanting to help, like, just do something for you. Like, do you need anything? And they're like, yeah, actually, we need about 20 volunteers to man our kids' jumpy castles. I said, perfect. That's what we will do. We're not going to hand out business cards. Like, we're going to do something. Because, you know, nothing says I love you like a business card from a church. Um, you know, like, that's not what we're all about. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just it's that, that to me is not showing love to people. Um, ice cream sandwiches is showing love. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, like give something that people actually want and will use, not just throw away. And so we said, hey, you know what? We will help out Lions Club. Lions Club raised about $15,000 over the two days, and we were a part of that. We manned it like all day Saturday in the sun. And that sort of started a culture here at City Chapel that has continued to this day. We still... We still volunteer at the, at, at the wiener dog races. We volunteer at a lot of different things. The city calls us up a lot of times whenever they're doing something because they know that City Chapel is there to bless them, to, to give something to them. And for too long, the church has been known for what it wants from you, right? Like we want, we want, we, well, well, we need you to send us overseas. So we're going to knock on your door, ask you to, <laughs> for money so that, so that we can go be missionaries. Like we're going to ask sinners here to pay our way for us to tell sinners over there about Jesus, right? Like, this is how we roll. And so, and so people in the world, like, like this, is, this is how they view the church. It's like, well, the church is always knocking on my door asking for money to go tell people, other people, about Jesus. And so we said, we don't want to do that. And so we've never, like, knocked on the door and, and, and asked for money. And instead, whenever we and, we, and we, and really, we don't want to ask them, like, well, we really want you to show up in church and to, and to change the way you're living and to change the way you're dressing and, to, and all, all these things that we want from you. But that's not really the case. And when Jesus came to the earth, he wasn't walking around uh, telling everybody what he wanted from them. He was there to give something to them. He said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And so it's a part of our church culture to be giving and to value people. And, and we're not the only church. I mean, there's, there's a lot of churches that share this value. And I think every true Christian church that reads their Bible really does identify with this. They, they are in a community to bless that community. And so even, even here at Williams Elementary, um, we're starting a, a summer feeding program. Um, we're, we've connected with the principal, and she is... Um, hopefully this week, going to be getting, getting, giving us some names of some kids um, that rely on uh, the lunches and breakfasts here at this school in order to eat. 
Um, about 80% of, of the kids who go to this school are in uh, poverty level or, or below poverty level. And so they really rely on the lunches and breakfast of this school. And, well, the school is not going to be here in the summer. And so we are, we, we are going to pick up the slack. And we're going to make sure as much as we can that every kid has breakfast and lunch. And so some of you, several of you have volunteered for that. Um, so we're going to bring the bags next Sunday. And uh, we will be sending you uh, emails and stuff on a, on, on a grocery list of things to bring. And maybe you don't want to go shopping every single week. But maybe you just want to donate and give in the offering and, and just mark it as, as, as feeding the kids. Uh, offering, um, feel free to go ahead and do that. But, but uh, we're going to take money from our general fund. And we're going to, we're going to make sure that kids are fed. Because we, we are here to give something to the community, not take something from the community. And so we really do believe that people are worth everything that we spend. Every penny that we spend on people is never wasted. Every bit of time that you spend on people is never wasted. Every bit of, of effort that you spend on people is never wasted. And so uh, when, when, whenever we look at Scripture, we see this abundantly. And, and I think it's especially clear um, very in a very practical sense with this story of the Shunammite woman and Elisha. And so the Bible simply says, if we can go back to that first verse, where uh, verse 8, now it happened one day that Elisha was in, Shun, uh, uh, was, was in Shunam, and there was a notable, there's a wealthy woman there, and she persuaded him to eat some food. Now, we don't know how this story played out. The uh, Bible doesn't fill in the details. It kind of leaves it up to our imagination. But, you know, as far as I can tell, it seems to me like Elisha would have been walking through this town. He, was, he happened to be in that town. Seems like he was on his way somewhere else. Anyway, he's walking across the road, right? He's, he's walking down the road. And, 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 and there's this, this Shunammite woman who's, who's in her house, I imagine. I don't think she would be out and about. She's in her house and she notices, right, uh, the prophet sort of walking down the road. And the Shunammite woman sees that, you know, he doesn't have a breakfast sack with him. Uh, he doesn't have any food with him. And he's walking and he looks, it's, it's lunchtime. And she's got, she's rich, right? So, so, so she has a lot of stuff. She has a lot of uh, uh, food in the pantry. She's, she's wealthy. And she notices that he's not. Now, he's rich in other areas. He's just not rich when it comes to food because he's a guy and he didn't think to pack food uh, with him. We had a men's retreat, and like a few guys showed up without tents to the men's camp out retreat. And we said, well, man, you're going to need a tent, dude, like seriously. And so, um, and, and, and actually, I think one of them wore We didn't even know they didn't have a tent. And poor guy had to go home, and I felt bad about that. But we did. We, we, we did hook Jonathan up because uh, we noticed that he didn't have a So, you know, we just, we, we, we just, you know, we tried to try blessing people a little bit. But, you know, but sometimes guys don't think about what they are going to need, like, before they get there. Then they're like, oh, now I need attend now i need anyway that was that was for free but um you know i mean so 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 he doesn't have a breakfast or lunch sack he's walking it's the middle of the day uh, it's time to eat she has a pantry that's full she notices he's walking out there and she she she, she sees him she examines him and she realizes that he doesn't have anything to eat. And so she just, you know, she's just bold. She's just one of those bold kind of ladies. She opens the door of her house and she hollers out hey you would you like some lunch and Elisha turns and says, yeah, actually. And so Elisha comes on in to her house and, and she persuades him to sit down and she cooks lunch for him. It seems like an insignificant thing, but it's, to me it's so interesting because there's not much that we know about the lady at the beginning of the story, but toward the end of the story we start to find out a lot of things. Number one, her husband is old. And uh, if you read further in the story, he's actually out in the field a lot. So there's a good chance that she was home alone. And uh, all, there's also a good chance that she doesn't have much companionship with her husband because there's such, a, there's such an age gap between the two of them. And so we know that, 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 that she's probably, she seems to be somewhat lonely. Her husband is old. She doesn't have any children either. She's unproductive. And in that society, that means you're unproductive. That means, that means you're not really doing your job as a woman. Nowadays, women are allowed to do many other things. In those days, this was really the primary homemaker. Having children was really all women were allowed to do. And so we know that she is childless and that she is lonely. And this is interesting because in our society... Um, I don't know that this story would have played out very often. And so, and so, and so I've, asked, I've asked Rick to, to have, put a whole bunch of boxes together for me. If you want to go ahead and bring them up here, I just, I, I just want to do a little illustration of... Are you going to pull this out from like under a chair or something? Oh, okay. This is going to like Houdini. Um, I, I just want to do a little illustration of what we would typically do. And so, um, thanks, babe. 
And if you could just set him on up here. Um, because what's, what's, what's interesting is she, we, we, we know that she's wealthy at the beginning of the story. In other words, she has... He's hulking it, dude. He's been on the setup team for a year and a half. That's what happens when you're a part of the setup team for a year and a half. Cool. That's how I got my guns. Anyway. Um, and so, you know... <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, and so, so we, we, we know that she is wealthy in terms of money. But she all, we also know that she is uh, poor in terms of relationships and in terms of children. And I, and I think this is interesting because really all of us here in this room are wealthy in some way. And we're also poor in some way. We have some prosperity in our life. Something's going well. And then we have some poverty in our life. All of us, and most of us, if you're an American, you, you, you are like physically wealthy because you live on more than $2 a day. So uh, you are actually, if you, if you made it here to church, then you, you are classified as uh, wealthy in terms of um, the world standards. But even in terms of America, South Austin is still fairly wealthy uh, financially. But, but, the, but, but some of us are not that well off financially. Some of us are trying to get our houses fixed from, from flooding and stuff like that. And, but some of us are very wealthy in other areas. We have a lot of friends. We have a lot of family. We have a lot of connections. We, we have a lot of uh, high self-esteem. Some of us are wealthy in one area, but we're gonna, there's always going to be some wealth and some poverty in your life. And so we, we, we recognize that she's wealthy in terms of money, in terms of her house, in terms of food, but she's poor in other areas. And what's fascinating to me is that even though... She is lonely and without children. She is able to notice Elisha. And that's really my point for today, is that people are worth noticing. People are worth noticing. And, and I think most of us would agree with that. Absolutely, people are worth noticing. But many of us do not notice people because we're not really like this woman. Uh, this woman, she's, she's, she's lonely and she's without children. And she's in her house and she's looking out for somebody to walk by. She just sees somebody walking by. And it's not just, oh, there's a person. But she recognizes the fact that that's a person who's probably hungry, who doesn't have a sack, yada, yada. All the details that she sees about him informs her action that she takes, that she offers him lunch. And in fact, persuades him to stop for lunch. But usually what we do is we do sort of a different route. We take our poverty and instead of, instead of using that uh, to create availability in our life, we try to uh, fill up or kind of uh, uh, stabilize our poverty with our prosperity. So if we are poor relationally but we are rich financially, then we will, we will start um, building for ourselves uh, stuff that we can build with, with, our, with our wealth. Or if we're poor financially, we're rich uh, with family, we will start building things that we can build with our wealth. And what we do is we, we're trying, to, you know, we're trying to, to block out the pain of our, of our poverty and adding things into our life. So maybe our schedule will just be massive, right? We'll, 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 we'll just have a party every night. We'll, every single day we're hanging out with somebody because we don't want to be lonely. And so, and so we're going to bring in a whole bunch of friends into our life and we'll stack that on top of, that's, that's the next iPhone, that's iPhone 7 right there. And uh, we'll, just, we'll just stack that on top of our, our fancy smartphone and then we'll slap on uh, a, a computer and then, um, oh my goodness, and then social media. We'll just, like, we'll, just, we'll, we'll just take you know five hours a day playing Candy Crush. We'll just crush Candy Crush and we'll invite Pastor Harry all the time to play with us even though he hates that game. And so we'll just like, you know, we, we'll, like, <laughs> we'll fill up, like we'll just fill up our lives with, 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 with details, with fullness, with stuff. And, and, and because, because we're trying to make up for our poverty. And so we, we cram stuff into our life. And so we're in our house like this. <laughs> and we do believe, we do believe, ideally, we do believe mentally, we would agree with Pastor Harry that people are worth noticing, but we never notice anybody. And the reason we never notice anybody is because we can't see past all of our stuff. Because we, instead of allowing our, our poverty to produce something good inside of us, we've simply tried to alleviate the pain of our poverty with our greed. And so we've, we've held on to everything that we can possibly hold on to, and we've surrounded ourselves and created barriers between us and other people. And we would happily help them, but we just don't see them. We don't notice them. 
We, we, we don't have time to look up from our smart, smartphone to notice them. We don't have time to step away from, from that engagement to notice them. We don't have time because we're rushing from one meeting to the next, from one piece to the next, from this to the... Because we don't have... Because we're jam-packed full. And what's so different is that she actually, like, she didn't try to supplement all these things. She didn't put all this stuff in her life. She sat in her house, in her lonely, in her lonely house, all by herself, staring out the window for somebody to help. Which tells me that sometimes God, who is sovereign, can allow poverty in your life. No, I didn't just cuss. I said sometimes God will allow poverty, lack in your life. God will allow your loved ones to die. God will allow your job to disappear. God will allow the economy in 2008 to to bottom up. God will allow poverty in your life. And you say, why, 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 why would he allow that? Hold on. This is, this is not the God that I, yes, no, no, no. Because, because what happens with our prosperity is we don't see people. We get behind this stuff and we don't see people. We're not available. We have no availability. We've absolutely, we would be happy to, to value people. We would, yes, absolutely, we would check that off the list. We would love to, but we don't have time or money because we've spent all of our money and we've used up all of our time. And so what God does sometimes is He allows poverty into our lives in order to create availability. Because she wouldn't have noticed Elisha if she was running around with a house full of kids. <laughs> Getting mom say amen to that. I don't know why well, I, I wake up and I go to sleep and I don't know what happens in between, you know. And uh, because she, you're just like little kids, like they just they just take all of your time. They take all of your attention. They take all of your. It's, so it's hard. So if she would have had kids, she would never have noticed Elisha, and Elisha would have went hungry. If she would have had a husband that was paying attention to her and talking with her, she wouldn't have had the need for 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 companionship. So she wouldn't have called out and asked him to lunch. Sometimes in our fullness, we get, we get full and we're, we're, not, we're not hungry, we're not, we're not desperate anymore, and so we don't reach out. And in fact, I was, I, was, I, was, I was talking to Emilio about this, about this just this week. Like, I was an associate pastor at Promised Land, uh, San Marcos, for six years. I was in charge of the outreach ministries, and I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that I came up with an idea to go, like, like, like put door hangers on a neighborhood or, 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 or go help at wiener dog races. Like, there's so many things that, we, that I didn't do because we had a church of like a thousand people, and, uh, you know, we did prison ministry. We did a few of those. But, but, but as far as like, hey, Pastor Robin, I think we should, and then, and then organize it and go do it. We just didn't do it. But there's something about when you're looking around at 15 people. <laughs> And you're like, man, we need to do something around here because this isn't a church. This is a small group. You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys got to bring your friends, your family, drag your, your mom and dad. I don't care if they're already in church. Take them out of that. Steal them from there. Go get. No, just kidding. We didn't do that. Um, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, it's like you get a little bit hungry. You get a little bit desperate. It's like, hey, we got to grow this thing. We got to do something. Which is why in America, small churches and church plants are winning more people to Christ every year than churches of a thousand people because the churches of a thousand people look around and they're pretty satisfied most of the time. It's very easy to get satisfied. It's very easy to feel full when you're full in your life. And the, the bummer about that is, is then all of God's blessings stop. Because what she could not have known is that God sent Elisha, yes, for her to meet his need. But God also sent Elisha to meet her needs. What happens is we surround ourselves with all this fake stuff, like all this stuff that's, that's, that's good. I mean, it's nice. It occupies our time, but it's not what we really want. I mean, it's, it's fine. She really wants a son. But, but, but you know, I, but we're not going to have a son. That's impossible. We give up on our greatest dreams and we settle for stuff and, 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 and to stay busy instead of being, have, living a fulfilled life, instead of, instead of feeling, going to bed feeling like, man, I really accomplished something today. No, we just, well, hey, at least, at least I wasn't bored, right? Like the bored is the big, the big bad word nowadays. At least I wasn't bored. At least I kept myself busy. Now, and so we settle for stuff we don't even really want. She had no way of knowing that locked inside of Elisha, locked inside of that person on the street that needed a meal, was the answer to her deepest desire. There's no way to know that. And this is what you find out. 
when you start valuing people. This is what you find out when you start noticing people. Is that God sends stuff your way inside of the people that you're able to meet their needs. It's amazing. She reaches out to Elisha. Elisha comes into her house and it becomes a regular thing because people are worth noticing. People are worth noticing. It's worth looking up from, from your schedule. It's worth, it's worth creating margin in your life. Homeless people are worth carrying the pair of socks in your car for. You know what I'm saying? You say, well, they're just going to waste it. No, look, 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 look. People are worth the waste. <laughs> it's kind of countercultural. People are worth the waste. You say, well, well, I don't know because I'll spend, I'll spend time with that person and then that person won't call me back for weeks and months and, and it's like I wasted my afternoon. Yes, people are worth the waste. She wasted her lunch. She wasted, emptied her pantry for some guy. She had no idea that he was worth anything. She just saw that he was hungry. And so, so she saw that someone's hungry and she valued people so much that she thought that he was worth the waste. She thought he was worth her spending her wealth on his poverty. She wasn't looking to get anything from him. She wasn't measuring, okay, now, now, now I gotta make sure that I get, get some, get some good return on this investment. No, people are worth the waste, the waste of your time, the waste of your money people are worth wasting money on people are worth wasting energy on last year last year we um we bought a big inflatable screen and we took our projector and took our sound system and we went to river ridge community Uh, it's a it's a it's, it's like a mobile home community and um we set up a movie in the park um, just one, just one, I think it was a Friday night or a Saturday night or something. And so we set up this movie in the park and like invited the neighbors to come out and like 200 people came out and it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And, um, I was talking to the people there in the community, just hanging. we were all mingling and hanging out with them. And, um, one of the, one of the guys said, man, this is a really great idea because, you know, cause, cause you get all these people here and then these people will go to your church. And as usual, he knows I'm a pastor. So he thinks I just want something from him. I said, dude, like, I, like, if nobody comes to our church, that's fine. What we are doing is we are here to help create community in your community so that you guys have something positive to do with your families. That's what we're doing. Exactly what it looks like. That's what it is. There's no strings. There's no, there's no secret uh, ambition. There's, no, it's, we are, we are, we're here to... And, and, and just to prove it to you, we're going to do it again um, this year, actually several times. We're going to movies in the park here. We're going to movies in the park at River Ridge. And I'm doing it again, even though, uh, do you know how many people came to City Chapel from River Ridge? Yeah, zero. <laughs> Nobody. Lots of people say, oh, we love your church. They, like they did the Texas thing. I'm coming next Sunday. <laughs> God bless you, brother. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, like, I, I'm not from Texas, so at first I thought they were actually coming next Sunday. <laughs> I've learned. I've learned since then. That's just what people tell pastors to make them feel good. And so I smile and I say, thank you so much. God bless you. And, uh, you know, because I, I, I love the fact that they're trying to make me feel good, but they don't have to come to church on Sunday for me to give to them and for me to spend my time and my energy and my money on them because they are worth it even if they never walk in the door. Because I'm not trying to build a church. I'm trying to bless people. I'm not just trying to get people in a bits of butts and seats and so that I can feel good about myself because I'm preaching to like a lot of people. That's not what it's about. It's about blessing people. And so they're worth the waste. I meet, I meet all the time with people who call up and want to meet with me. And I'm like, you know, this is a wasted meeting, you know, right? This is, <laughs> you, you're not even talking to the right person, dude. <laughs> you're like, you're not like you want to throw it anyway. Like, but it's fine because people are worth wasting your time on. People are worth wasting your money on. People are worth wasting your energy. People are worth pain. People are worth disappointment. Anyway. <laughs> They're worth it. Because, because what she discovers is she, she takes this down and she takes her wealth, basically, and she, she fills in his poverty. Because what she's got, he doesn't. And what he's got, she doesn't. She doesn't know that, but all she knows is that she has something that he doesn't. So she, so she kind of gives the wealth. Here you go, Bob. I'll give you a new iPhone right there. Uh, just stick that in your back pocket and 
and it'll be awesome. Um, she, so she starts, she starts giving away her wealth. I don't know how many people she would have fed. I don't know how many people walked across her pathway and she invited in for lunch. Elisha was just the one that we heard about. And she's giving away her wealth. And what it does is it creates this availability for God to send the person into her life that's going to meet her need. And this, and, and, and this is how it's met. This is how it's met. He, he comes in and, and he starts eating with her. And then finally she says, you know what? You know what? I think, I think we need to build a room for this, for this man of God. I think we need to, I'm just prophetically, we just need to build something for this man of God. I'm just going to throw that out there. There's studs and, and foundations and uh, roofs maybe. And um, anyway, I just, just I, I don't know. It's just, it's the Bible. It's what it says. We need to build something for the man of God. So anyway, so, so, so she talks to her husband. Because, men, because, because people are worth the labor. They're, they're worth the look. They're also worth the labor. Any energy that you spend on people is never wasted. And so she says, we're going to build a room for him. And uh, it was just one room. But, you know, you can build several rooms for the man of God. That's, that's cool. And bathrooms and stuff like that is also good. Uh, and so, so she, she builds a room, and he's there in the room, and, 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 and he, he calls to her, and he says to her a strange thing. It seems kind of strange. He says, he says to her, he says, look, would you like me to speak to the king on your behalf? Now, it's weird to us, but in that culture, what he's saying is, would you like to live in the palace? Because I know you're lonely. Because if the king, because like she can't, she can't leave her husband, but if the king calls her to the palace, she can go legally. And so he says, would you like me to talk to the king on your behalf and I'll, I'll meet this need of your heart, this, this loneliness that you're feeling. We can take care of that. You can live in the palace and you will never be lonely again. Would you like me to speak to the king? And that's why her response is, she says, well, I dwell among my own people. In other words, I'm not, I'm not interested in moving. So he sends her away. And he says to Gehazi, he says, what can be done for her? I think it's so interesting that while she is busy preparing lunch for somebody else, Elisha is busy thinking about how he can bless her. And I think this is a picture of God. I think this is what happens when we get busy valuing other people. I think this is what happens when you're busy cooking 200 breakfast tacos for teachers on, Sunday, on Friday morning. Come on, somebody. This past Friday, we had four different people cook 50 tacos each, breakfast tacos, and we delivered them by 8 a.m. And so thank you all who do that. Um, there are four different people, actually, from the four people who did it last month. So as a pastor, that's thrilling to me. So we have eight people who, are, who, who we know make good breakfast tacos. So... <laughs> Uh, you know, and so this is the, but, but, but while she's busy cooking, while she's busy building, while she's busy serving, can I just tell you something? When you get busy giving your stuff from your wealth that you have, when you get busy giving your stuff, not, not, not to a church, not even to the offering, but to people, when you get busy giving your stuff, God gets busy figuring out how to bless you. <laughs> and he says, and he says to Gehazi, he says, he said, how can, how can we bless her? Because he already kind of asked her. He said, what can be done for you? He said, can I, can I call the king? And she says, no. She doesn't tell him. There's some stuff in your heart that you don't even dare pray to ask God about because it's so big, it's so out there, it's so amazing. But look, look, look what Gehazi says. Gehazi says, uh, in the next, in the, the the next side, Gehazi said, "Actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. In other words, she's not going to have a son." And Elisha figures out what to do because God knows the deepest needs of your heart, even the stuff that you don't pray about, even the stuff that. And he, <laughs> we, were, we 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 were talking to Noah this week, and uh, she said, "God just knows how to get it in your favorite color." You know what I'm saying? Like, you're the, just the right size, just the right time, favorite color, the, the perfect dimensions. Like, God knows the desire that you have in your heart that you're not even willing to voice because it's so far out there, it's so big out there. And that's what God's wanting to bring to her through people, through a person. And so Elisha calls her in and says, Look, uh, you're going to have a son. And that's where she says, no, don't, don't tease me. Don't lie to me. Because that's what she really, really, really wants. And she ends up having a son. But I think this is also um, reflective of God's value system. That God, um, God values you. 
God values me. God believes that we are worth the look and the labor. God notices us. Actually, I have a few scriptures here. Luke chapter 12, verse 7. Uh, This is Jesus. And he says, look, your father knows the number of hairs on your head or lack thereof for some of you. All five of them. He knows knows where those are. (laughs) You can't find them. He found them, man. He's... Or some of you is like 20 bazillion, you know, and uh, it seems to be growing, exactly, on the face. I mean, we're talking, Emilio's busting out the big old Duck Dynasty beard, and, and uh, it's just getting crazy. God, <laughs> God knows the number of hairs. He says, your father knows the number of hairs, and that changes day to day, just for everybody, that changes. How in the world does he keep track? Oh, does he have some kind of computer system? No, he's watching. He's watching. He's not just all-knowing, so he just checks on his little dashboard. How many hairs does Harry have today? You know, that's not, it's not, it's not what he's doing. He's, he's literally watching the hairs fall out. That's how he keeps count. He says, your father knows the number of hairs in your head. Never fear. You are more valuable to him than a whole, a whole flock of sparrows, which he just got done talking about how his eyes are on the sparrows. He's talking about how God notices us. He watches us. Psalm 56, 8 says that you keep track of all of my sorrows. And it's not in a data sheet. It's, he, he keeps track because he's there. You have collected all my tears in the bottle. How in the world does he collect your tears? Because he's there to catch them. Because he's watching them run down your face. He's watching you. You don't have to scream to get his attention. You don't have to yell. You don't have to pray for 24 hours straight. You don't have to bang your head on the wall. You don't have to cut yourself. You don't have to, do, you don't have to fast for him to notice you. He is watching you right now. Regardless of your level of devotion. Even if you're not devoted at all, you don't even believe in him. He is still bottling your tears. It's not just the Christians that he's looking after. He has been watching you all of your life. He didn't just step in, in the middle, right? Sometimes like we see God as like a remodeler, you know, and it's like he comes into our, our, our house of our life and it's kind of a wreck and he's like, man, wow, this is a mess. I'm going to fix this place up. Oh, my goodness, what happened here? And, and I mean, you know, he comes in and he does fix things up, but, but, but he's, 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 he's not like a house flipper where he comes in when it gets all nasty. Like he comes, like many of us think, well, you know, there was my BC days, my before Christ days, and, and then there was all of that, and then Jesus came and everything sort of got better and then, you know, we could, we're, we're, we're kind of here. There is no such thing as a B.C. day in your life. There's no such thing as a time in which God was not actively involved in your existence. He didn't pull back, create you, and then drop you off, and then wait for you to come find Him. You, didn't, you never found Him. He was with you all along. You just suddenly realized that He was there. And so all your tears, whether you're saved or unsaved, whether they're just or unjust, all everything, everything in your life, he's been there with you through it all. He's not the remodeler. He's the guy who drew up the plans and then he met with the foundation people and then he, met, and then he went through the 45 months of getting a permit in Austin. And then he, and then, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but that's all right. And, and then he, 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 he bought the lumberhead. It dropped off. He oversaw the nails and the screws and everything that went into the doors and the windows and, and the insulation and the electrical and the plumbing. And, 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 and every, like, this is your life. And then he walks in and you're like, oh, wow, you just got here. No, like he, he, he knows why that is in your life. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we come to God and we're like, I have this thing and I just, I just want to get rid of it. But he actually knows when it got there. He knows who brought it in. He knows exactly, like he, this is how he can be so understanding. You know how your mom is like always understanding, like everything you do is just, well, you know. Some of you have moms like that. Um, or your dad or, like there's something about having a child that you're there from the very beginning or at least you think you are, you're there from pretty much the beginning and you, you kind of understand some things because you've watched them. You know, Micah has this dent on his forehead and I know how he got that, you know. And, uh, and he'll probably have several other dents in his forehead before he reaches puberty even. I mean, because he's just, you know, he's full 100% boy, way too much testosterone for his little body. So he just like, he runs into things and falls over. But you know, like, like someday he's going to be like looking in the mirror, like how did I, how how come I'm missing part of an eyebrow, you know? And we'd be able to tell him, well, you were running at full speed, slipped on the floor and landed on the side of the corner of the bed. And, and, and And I was there to pick you up and to hold you while you cried. And even though he doesn't remember it, I remember it. So I understand. I know him. 
There's stuff that you've completely forgotten and even blocked out that God completely understands because he was there holding you through it. So he doesn't, he doesn't, it's not like, it's not like when you meet people and they're like, why are you so jacked up? (laughs) He knows why you're jacked up. He understands. He knows the root of it. He knows behind, behind the addiction. He knows what you're trying to, that need you're trying to fill. He doesn't just look at your addiction and say, oh, that's, that's, that's terrible. I can't believe you're doing that. No, he knows why. He's bottling the tears. It says he recorded each one of these in your book, Psalm 139, how precious it is. I like the living translation. It says, how precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn toward me. And when I waken in the morning, you are still thinking about me. Which really helps Matthew chapter 6 make sense when he says, don't worry about your life. Don't be anxious. Another word, actually, in, in the original language, the word worry is the same as anxious. And anxious, it's, it, it, it means to be uh, distracted. It means to be pulled apart. And so we got all this stuff and we're distracted. It says, don't be, don't, don't be distracted. Don't, don't feel the need to fill your life with distractions. Don't worry about anything in Matthew chapter 6. We can pull that scripture up, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. And actually that word life means soul. Don't worry about your mind and your will and your emotions, the things on the inside. Don't, 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 don't try to get distracted. What you'll eat, what you'll drink, or even about your body, which is, which is your, your physical life, what, you will, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and body more than clothing? And then he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather. Now why is he talking about that? Because oftentimes, especially when it comes to worry, we start feeling responsible to take care of ourselves. We start feeling the weight of responsibility. And he says, it's not that you don't have any responsibility, but he says, look, your responsibility is not these birds here. They don't sow, reap, or gather into barns. Yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. So what is, their, what is the bird's responsibility? The bird's responsibility is, well, to go find food. Your Heavenly Father feeds them, but like, it's like a worm in the ground or like a seed, seeds, several seeds everywhere. He just, he, he, he wastes seeds on birds <laughs> even more than they can even eat. And so they, 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 they do have to like go look for it, but they don't have to save it. They don't have to sow the seeds. And then they don't have to store the seeds because they can trust that tomorrow there's going to be just as many seeds as there was today. And so he says, look at the birds. See, they are eating the seeds, but they don't feel the need to make sure that they have something tomorrow because they trust that their father is going to have the same seeds for them tomorrow. They'll have to go get it. They'll have to work for it. They're not saying you just sit back on your lazy boy and let life come to you. But, but you don't have the responsibility You are not the primary breadwinner of your home. (laughs) You are not the primary breadwinner of your home. You're not the primary provider of your home. If you are, that's a whole lot of responsibility that you're weighing on your chest. And no wonder you're so worried. No wonder you have to distract yourself. Birds don't take responsibility to make sure that everything is fine. And, 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 and because they don't have the pride and the arrogance to believe that they actually can, they can't store, they can't uh, sow. All they can do is receive. And there's something about the humility of knowing that all you can do is receive. Which, which, which completely, like, religion fights this. Because religion says, yeah, all you have to do is receive and these 30 things. And then you're great. But we love the 30 things because it gives us something to do. And when we have something to do, we can take some credit for the results. And if we can just store some stuff and sow some stuff and reap some stuff and do some stuff, then, hey, it'll be awesome. And, yeah, I'll give all the glory to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it'll be pretty great. It'll be pretty great when I've done those things. And many, many times... People who cannot receive, they can't get healing, physical healing or emotional healing, because they think they have to work up enough faith. (laughs) They can't 
they can't get breakthrough. They struggle with the same things over and over and over again. Can you imagine if these birds took the seeds that God was trying to feed them with and decided to try to sow them? They'd be hungry birds. <laughs> they, 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 but, but that is the problem. We live, we live hungry. We live unfulfilled. We live with all of these things that Scripture tells us that God's going to do for us, and then He doesn't do them. And we wonder, well, 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 well why, why in the world is not? Well, He put it right there. You just got to receive it. Stop, stop trying to build something up or sow something or store something or reap something and simply receive what God's given you. And it might, it might look differently than you thought, but it's, if, it's, if it's what He's given you, just, just receive that. And this is how He values. Because I think, I think most worry and all distractions, they really come down to this, this, this issue that Jesus is talking about. The fact that you don't really believe that God values you. Oh, sure, he values other people, absolutely. And sure, he would die for other people. And sure, he'll heal other people. And sure, he'll have breakthrough for other people. And uh, it'll be great for other people. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him except me should <laughs> inherit eternal life. And we, 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 we excuse ourselves because for us, we have the responsibility. We have to work this thing. and We have to gather and sow and put stuff into barns. And I just think we miss... We miss the fact that we are valuable. It's interesting. Uh, people matter is our name of our sermon series, but it's funny. Whenever you're talking to people about people, they never think you're talking about them. <laughs> Might take you a minute to figure that one out. But whenever you're talking to people about people, like you go to somebody, man, people are so stupid. They're like, I know. <laughs> we are people, dude. We are people. Uh, yeah, I, I thought of something else I'm not even going to say. Uh, people never think you're talking about them. You're talking about people, but they don't. it's not me. No, I'm talking about you. You are worth the look. You are worth the labor. You are worth even the blood of God. You are worth the suffering of Jesus. You are worth the agony of the cross. You are worth the fearfulness of death. And you are worth the overcoming of death, hell, and the grave and taking the keys. You are worth the ascension. You are worth the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. You are worth the entire Bible, all 66 books of them. You are worth the blood that all of those original documents are stained with. You are worth those who are in prison, smuggling them into China and out of China. You are, you are worth everything that was invested to get you right here, where you are right now. It is all worth it. And God doesn't regret any of it. And even those for whom it was wasted and who will never turn to Him, He doesn't regret a minute. These people are worth the waste. But we do have to receive. And so I, I would just ask that we close our eyes for just a minute and bow our heads. And let's, I want to give you an opportunity, first of all, to receive salvation, which is that part where God washes away your old and, and invites you into a brand new life and a rebirth. And so if you would like to receive that, that's the greatest thing to receive from Him. That's the greatest thing that He is offering. That's what His blood paid for. Would you just raise your hand and just let me know right now that you're going to receive that salvation today. That's awesome. Okay? Cool. All right, you can put your hands down. Now, now also, you, you, you might say, look, I've already, I've already received salvation. But I don't, I'm struggling to receive what He has for me right now. My life's full of distractions. My life's full of busyness. And I know it's because I'm trying to make up for the poverty that I feel in my soul. I think God wants to give you His Holy Spirit today. <laughs> And His Holy Spirit can do what no uh, cell phone can do, what no uh, social engagement can do, what no person, what no marriage, what no dating partner can do for you. He can, he, can, he can fully satisfy you on the inside and allow you to create availability in your life to see the needs of others. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand today? I just want to pray over you and pray with you. That's awesome, yeah. Okay, you can put your hands down. and Let's just pray together. I don't, you don't have to repeat after me, but Lord, I just pray for, for these folks that have raised their hand today and even those who, who weren't sure about raising their hands. Lord, I thank you that you are enough and that when you come into our life, we don't need other things. We literally, we don't need a, an approval from a spouse. 
You are our husband. You are our, our, our bride. When you come into our life, you, 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 you fill every void. And your Holy Spirit, is, it goes in and it just, every vacuum, every dark place, it just completely fills with fulfillment. Not that it's easy and not that, not that you make everything, you know, rosy and perfect, but, but, but you enable us to see outside past our stuff, to see people. You enable us to see folks. You, you free us up to be the husband that you've called us to be because we're not relying on our, on our spouse to fulfill something that, that they, they, they just cannot fulfill. You free us up to be the children, the teenagers that we are called to be because we're not relying on girlfriends and boyfriends and video games and college education and professors. We're not relying on a job or a, or a boss's approval or a recommendation or, a, or, a, or an essay. We're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not relying on a GPA. We're not relying on a grade point average. We're not relying on what people think of us. We're not even relying on the political system and who is president and who's not president. We're not relying on Republicans or Democrats or, or whoever else. God, we, when, when, when you come into our lives, you, 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 you fill the void of, of our poverty. And even when, we are, even when we are poor, even when we're lacking things, it creates availability inside of us. Lord, forgive us for all of our selfishness. Forgive us for all of our greed and all of our, our inability to see the needs of others. Forgive us for only thinking about ourselves, only asking you about ourselves, only praying about ourselves, only, only looking after ourselves, only spending money on ourselves, only spending time, only spending energy on ourselves in our kids in our family in our stuff in our houses in our cars in our insurance God forgive us for an entire life that when we look back it's all pretty much lined up to benefit us we never looked out the window and so many Elishas have been walking by so many people have been walking by our windows and we have a full pantry and we're not doing anything with it but we don't, we, we, we don't want to lose it because we're, we're trusting our stuff Direct our faith, Lord. Direct our faith off of our stuff and onto you. That's what generosity does. Generosity moves our trust and our reliance from what we can hold, what we can sow and reap and plant and, and gather into barns, and it moves it unto a heavenly Father that we know is going to feed us. And that's why we can give cheerfully, liberally. That's why we can meet the needs of others. That's why we can use the poverty in our life, not to be bitter, but to be better and to bless people. Some of you, like, you didn't grow up in a good home. You didn't grow up with, with, with a good parent, any kind of good roles. And you have that poverty. And yet that poverty can fuel inside of you a sympathy for other people that are also in the kids that are in the exact same situation. And now you have resources that you can actually make sure that that doesn't happen to them. You can, you can come in and you can bless them and you can help them and you can help those parents. I just pray, Lord, that you would open up our eyes. Help us to see, yes, the areas that we are poor. But those areas are not meant to wound us. They're meant to make us available to see the needs of others. Show us the needs of folks here in Williams Elementary community and all, all around this area, South Austin, Lord. And may the Church of Christ rise up and be the church. In Jesus' name.